About 30 years ago, uh, after I got saved, uh, man, I found a book, and, and the book was the Word of God, and it rocked my world, it changed my life. Um, any of y'all ever highlight in your Bible? Uh, anybody ever highlight and stuff? Well, in my first Bible, man, I highlighted everything, so there was nothing highlighted, and uh, I really was encouraged in the very beginning to read Psalms and Proverbs, and I want to encourage you guys to do that. If uh, in the morning, I would read the Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. If you're not reading the Word of God, it's not a guilt thing. It's not like God's with a giant fly swatter. You're missing a love letter. You're missing some valuable stuff. But I know the devil doesn't want you reading the Word of God because that's where the power is. And you can't read the Word without prayer. They go together. And so right away, one of the pastors encouraged me. He said, man, Read Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in a month in the book of Proverbs, usually 31 days in a month. How many of y'all started a Bible reading program? They start one this year, like at the beginning of January. I'm going to read through the Bible in a whole year. How many of you ever tried to do that? How many of y'all like quit after about three weeks? Because I'm glad you're still going, but so what happens is you miss a few days. Now you've got to get caught up on all of that. And again, it, 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 it's good to set those goals, but you've got to be in the Word, man. That's, that's what we eat. That's our soul food. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so it was a great way to start in reading Proverbs. And actually, I did it for about uh, over 20 years. Every day when I got up in the morning, I would open up the Word of God, open up Proverbs to whatever the date was. So what's the date today? I can't see without my glasses. Yeah, so today is the 30th, and uh, uh, Proverbs, yeah, thir 30th, and uh, you, you open it up and read chapter 30. Just start, just read it. Say, you know, pray and say, God, open my eyes and let me see something wonderful out of your law. By the way, that's Psalm 119, 18. And, and just ask him, say, open my eyes. Let me see something awesome. And, and let one verse stick out to you. And if a verse sticks out, if it doesn't, read it again. And beg him. Say, man, I'm hungry. I, I, I need some food. And make a verse stick out. And whatever sticks out, write it down. You can actually screenshot it and have it on your phone. So you see, how many of y'all would see it if it's on the front of your phone all day? Right? Yeah, put it there. Put it somewhere where when you're not thinking about the right thing, when you're thinking about nothing, you can just look up and you can see it again. That's what meditation is, meditating in God's Word. And, and in fact, that word meditation uh, in Psalms, it's talking about a cow chewing the cud. Everybody know what that is, right? How many stomachs does a cow have, y'all? Oh, I hear two, three, four. What? I, I yeah, I'm going to have to ask my son, my they have eight stomachs? I don't know, man, but they got more than one. How about that? And, and, and the cow gets up in the morning, you know, and says, oh, yeah, all right, I'm hungry. And, and it's got dew on the ground and starts eating some grass, right? And puts it, it packs one of its stomachs. How many of y'all would like at some of the buffets to have more than one stomach? Anybody? I'm just saying. And, and, and then the cow fills another stomach. And if they have three, they fill that. Four, they fill that. Because there's dew on the ground in the morning. It's good. It's good. How many of y'all like the grass? You like to eat the grass when it's like nice dew on the ground. It's, it's nice and chewy. As opposed to later in the day when it's just crunchy and dirty. You know? So they eat it when it's all fresh in the morning. And they pack it up. Then later when they're doing all their cow chores and doing their things, you know, they're like, man, I could use a snack. And they're, they're nowhere near a 7-Eleven or a Cumbies, and they forgot their wallet, and their friend forgot their wallet, right? So what do they do? They, they blow it, they barf it back up into their mouth. How many of y'all ever done that? 
I'm just, never mind, but they, 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 they bring it back up and regurgitate it, and then they chew it again to get the nutrients out and the flavor. Can you imagine the extra flavor there? And, and then when they're done, it's not, so they'll swallow it back again. And they do that multiple times in a day, and that's kind of where we get that word meditation. In the Hebrew, when they saw stuff like that happening, we need a word for that, and that's where meditation came from. So what we do is we eat the Word of God in the morning. And then we, we bring it back up. If you didn't fill your stomach, if you didn't fill your soul in the morning, where are you going to bring it back up from? That's our problem. If you're waiting for just what, well, what did I learn on Sunday? Or what did I have in Bible study? Man, you've got to be filling your stomach on a regular basis, your, your spiritual stomach, so you can bring it back up again. And where I found it most valuable was when I was thinking about nothing. Man, when you, you're thinking about nothing, you can now be thinking about something productive. When you were thinking about the wrong thing, any of y'all ever think about the wrong thing? Steve, you ever think about the wrong thing? Worry, right? Worry's thinking about the wrong thing. And whenever you're thinking about the wrong thing, you need to change it so you can think about the right thing. So if you bring that scripture back up, you can start thinking about the right thing. And how many things can you think about at one time, Scott? One. One. The answer's one, Scott. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Scott's like, Scott's an analytical person, so he's going to go home at night and he's going to try to think about two things. Uh, he, then he's going to try to add three. He's going to be juggling his thoughts, but you're only thinking of one thing at a time. You're, you might be switching real quick. But if you're thinking about one thing, if that's all you're capable of, man, how many of y'all have ever made mountains out of molehills with your thoughts? That's the battleground between God and the devil is your mind. That's why we were told in Romans 12 to renew our minds. And so again, if you're not filling your spiritual stomach up with some soul food, you got nothing to bring back up. And when it's pretty cool when God gives you something out of Proverbs for that day, that one verse and you bring it up, just like Erica, she had on her phone. That meant the world to you that God applied that. At the end of the day, he showed you an application for the verse, not only that you had that day, but the one he had, he had had on your phone for weeks. Man, when God speaks in that way to you and you hear from God, oh my goodness, you, you know he'll speak to you whenever you need to through his word. He'll speak to you. And, and, and when you know that you're in communication and fellowship with him, you, you don't have to worry about anything. The Lord's my shepherd. I don't need anything, right? Be, but you're in constant contact with that. So I want to encourage you, man, if you're not reading the word of God or you're looking for something to do first thing in the morning, dude, before you even wipe the eye boogers out, man, open up Proverbs and just read it. Say, God, open my eyes. Let me see something. Just read it. And then take that verse with you all day. It's very easy to apply in Proverbs. It was written by Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, when he was applying it. You got to apply it. It's like deodorant again, you know? And uh, how many of y'all did are sitting next to somebody who did not apply their deodorant today? Anyone? Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, so Marley, you got to put it under here. Don't eat it, man. Don't write on the wall. That's middle school, bro. No. <laughs> yeah. You can know the word of God, but you've got to apply that word of God. And that's what's so good about Proverbs. It's not confusing. And if you do get confused, you have my phone number. You can get my phone number. You can call me. You can text me and say, hey, God gave me this verse. What do you think? And I'll give you the application of what I think it is, but I'm going to pray God will give you. And he'll show you by the end of the day. And wouldn't it be encouraging to hear from God undeniably every single day? Man, do you think he wants to hear from you? 
Do you think he wants to speak to you daily? And again, yeah. So it's a relationship in there. But that teaches us the, the mind of God, Proverbs. But then my pastors at the time said, well, man, to know the heart of God, man, read Psalms. Just read the Psalms and you can get God's heartbeat. Hey, when your kids have your heartbeat, you know, and they, then they know what pleases you, right? Have you ever said to your kids, what the heck are you thinking? Have you ever said to your husband, your wife, what are you thinking? You know, what made you think I would like that? In fact, you, you brought me some something. I still haven't looked in here, but you know what she said? She said, your wife said you would probably enjoy this more than her. So you know what? It's either chicken gizzards or chocolate. I'm just saying. <laughs> and, and, and I don't even have to look because I know my wife's heartbeat, you know? And, and if we're going to please somebody, we're going to love somebody, we've got to know their heartbeat. And so when you read Psalms, Psalms shows you the heart of God. Because in the Psalms that Moses wrote and David wrote, they want to please God. They're like, oh, God, man, this is what, oh, God, my heart, oh, I'm in such a great fellowship with you. Or, God, I'm wrestling right now. And, God, it's really, really tough. But, man, I need you to do it. It's just a fellowship with God, getting God's heart. And so, how many psalms is there? Do anybody know how many psalms? 150. If you read, and if there's 30 days in a month, right? And you, So, if you read five psalms a day, you've read the entire chapter. How many of y'all go to bed watching the news? Don't raise your hand. We used to, back in the day, that's what, I, don't, I haven't watched the news for a long time now, but I'm just saying, man, what do you think about when you go to bed? How many of y'all have thoughts in your head at night when you're going to bed at night that allow you not to sleep? You know, because you're thinking about this, you're thinking about the next day, you're thinking about the previous day, you're, you know, all these things. Man, if you would read the Psalms even, read five Psalms before you go to bed at night. And, and, and listen to David go from being a whiner to a winner. That's what he does. He starts out whining. And he's like, oh, yeah, you did this, God. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Would that not be a great way to go to bed at night? Five Psalms. Here's the way it was taught to me in this. It was like, okay, whatever the date is, today's the 30th, okay? And uh, uh, today's the 30th. So add 30 to that, I would read Psalm 30. Then I'd read Psalm 60. Add 30 to that, I'd read Psalm 90. Add 30 to that, that psalm, help me out, one, yeah, and then 150, right, but anyways, you read five psalms a day, just, just break it up like that, and it's amazing how they go together, I did that for about 20 years, and I do, I'm doing something different now, but man, I'm just telling you, that's an easy way to wake up and go to bed in God, with God in your head, that's what's important, because we've got to see life from God's perspective in all of this, and out of the psalms, a couple of them are my favorites, I love Psalm 119. It's the, longest, uh, it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible, and everything in there is about the Word of God and the benefits. But what's another favorite psalm that everyone is, uh, that, that y'all know? What's that? 23, that's it, yeah. And, and, and so I don't know if that's your favorite, but as I started looking into Psalm 23, man, I, I got introduced about 30 years ago to a book by a guy named Philip Keller. And it's called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. I'm always looking for something that's going to help me understand it better. You know, and God, I, I let God, I let the Holy Spirit interpret it all. Uh, but I've got, and I let the Word of God interpret the Word of God. But I like when people do that and they can help me understand. Anybody here read the Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm? Yeah, because I've mentioned it before. I've talked, but man, if you haven't, 
What a great book. It's one of the ones I read once a year. I also have it on audio file on my phone. So if I've got a long trip, long something, I can listen to it. And there's one with this Grimsley. Remember that Grimsley dude? That William Grimsley, you know, that like, you know who I'm talking about? He'd be like, well, well, you know. Anyways, there's one that's got a real cool, like, old, you know, Western voice and everything. He's pretty cool. So, anyways, you can buy it on, on, on audio, an audio version of it. But it's a great book, and it helped me kind of find some applications for the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and going on with that. And so what God did at 5.30 this morning is he shared with me that that's what I am supposed to share with you, some principles that I learned out of Psalm 23 of how I apply this. Hardly a day goes by that I am not applying the first two verses of that, of that psalm in Psalm 23. So help me out with it. Y'all remember it? The Lord is my, I shall not. Yeah, how's that going for you? <laughs> how many of y'all got an application already? You ain't got to get past verse 1. Oh, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, get off Amazon, dude. I'm just saying, it's like, you know, I shall not want. Then quit whining. You know, I shall not want. Yeah, again, it's like, I'm hungry and there's nothing to eat. <laughs> now y'all live in your own place, right? Y'all going to find that out, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, they better not get Ashley's combination to be going into their fridge, right? <laughs> Or she's going to have to teach them like Matt and leave some spoiled food in there for them to find. And uh, Anyways, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What's the next part? He makes me in green pasture. And then he does what? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not it. Yeah. No, he leads me down, uh, makes me lie down in green pastures. And, and what? Leads me beside still waters. So first of all, you got to get the whole idea of the first part to find the rest in the re refreshment of the second part. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. So the Lord, he's my shepherd. Just pick this apart. You could preach for weeks on it, and I'm not going to, hopefully. <laughs> and, uh, but, but the Lord, the Lord, who is the Lord? It's Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. At capital L-O-R-D, he is in charge. He is the boss. He is the manager. Man, how many of y'all could use an assistant to help you manage life? Anyone? How many of y'all could use somebody as a manager in charge telling you how to manage life? How many of y'all could use that? But how many of y'all too daggum stubborn and prideful to have that happen? <laughs> Oh, I just want him to manage this part, this part, this part, this part. No, the Lord. Dude, if he knows everything, if he knows everything. How many of y'all would admit, Barbara, would you admit that you do not know everything? Um, uh, did I, what did I call you? Donna, I am so sorry. Yeah, and I called her. Yeah, she said it's because of the hair. It's not the hair. You and I had a great conversation. Uh, or, but uh, would you admit that you don't know everything? Is there anybody here that knows everything? Anybody thinks they know anything, everything? No, he knows everything, so he's way better qualified to call the shots. Um, how many ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time? Yeah, he's everywhere. So, so dude, he's qualified to call the shots. How many of y'all have ever found your resources and your strengths lacking in not being able to meet the needs of what you need to get done? Anybody? <laughs> Yeah, he's all-powerful, all, he is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere. And so the Lord, 
That's where David, he's saying, man, the Lord, the Lord, you know, he's the one, the government. <laughs> How many of y'all want to count on the government to be your shepherd? You remember that during voting time because I'm telling you, all you got to do is turn on AM radio right now during the day, either side, and you know what they're doing right now? They're dividing people. They're dividing you into political parties, and within political parties, they're dividing you there because it's all about division. If the if Satan can divide you, then he can conquer you because you don't have enough strength in yourself. We need each other. We're made to be a community. We're, we're, uh, we're a flock of sheep. <laughs> and, and he brought us together to help, to help us see life from God's perspective so we can help each other see it that way. So, so again, man, the Lord, he's my shepherd. Any other shepherd is going to try to divide you, try to destroy you, try to discourage you. Because who? there's God and there's who? If it's not of God, it's of who? Yeah, there's no neutral ground. You understand what Jesus said? It's him or it's Satan, period. And we keep trying to find some little comfortable place of Christianity in between somewhere. somewhere. That's the lost church. We've talked about it a bunch of times. Matthew chapter 7. You go read Matthew chapter 7, the whole Matthew chapter 7, and you're going to see that in the end, that what's going to happen is that the professing church is mostly lost. Not believers, not the real church in Jesus Christ, but professing believers, people who, who were doing things in his name, people who, were, who were thought they were following him. They're gonna, he's going to say, man, I, I never knew you. But didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I do mighty works in your name? Didn't, didn't, I, didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I do all the... And these are things that church people do. Didn't I do this in your name? And he says, no, no, you said you did it in my name. But you and I never had a relationship. And that's what it comes down to is a relationship with the living God according to his word. You, he gets to call the shots and establish the rules of this relationship. You think he's got any bad rules? Spencer, you think he's got any bad rules? You think God's got any bad rules? Skyler, you think he's got any bad rules? Then, then why don't do you ever, like you're saying, your Sunday school answer is no, he has no bad rules. But do you ever, you ever encounter things where, okay, God wants me to do this, but yet I'm going to do this? So what is you telling God his rule is what? Yeah, bad. Just go ahead and say it. His rule's bad. Yeah, in your, in your actions and in your thoughts. Yeah, his rule's bad. It mine's better. But the Lord, he's in charge. Are any of his rules bad? No, dude, he is the manufacturer. He, he gas. You've heard this illustration, gas. Scott, what am I going to put in my gas tank? Yeah, you got a little, you still got your little, uh, what do you have? That little car? No, when you had that, what'd you put in the gas tank? Oh, gas, and a certain kind of gas, right? And why didn't you ever put half gas and half water? It would still smell like gas, still taste like gas, still look like gas. Why wouldn't you put it in? It would destroy it. God wants you to put pure gas, pure spiritual gas in your life. He doesn't want you to water it down. You know what? It would have probably got you out the driveway, but it would have broke down at the most inopportune time. And that's why the world's in the shape it's in right now. The Lord. Lord means in charge, a surrender. I'm doing it your way. I surrender myself to you. Surrender. 
I put my hands up. I surrender. I'm doing it's your way, not my way. I'm doing it your way. And when I find I'm doing it my way, I'm going to repent and I'm going back to doing it your way. I'm never going to justify my way as being better. Aren't you glad we don't? Pittsburgh, right? Aren't you glad we don't do that? Aren't you glad we never justify and just say, yeah, God, my, my way's better. Just say yes. Yeah. I, I, I see him over there. She, she's got your back over there. She's actually listening, Rob. All right. I see you're talking, you're thinking about other things, but that's okay. I'm going to pick on you again. So the Lord, it starts out with Lord. None of this stuff works out real well unless he's Lord. You say, at some point in time, man, I give up. I don't want to be in charge. Are there ever times where you don't want to be in charge? Yeah. He's saying, I, I want to be in charge all the time. And I want to do things so supernatural in your life that only I can get blamed. So that I get the glory and you become more like me. That's what he wants to do. But we got to say, Lord, we got to quit being Lord. We got to quit being the boss or we don't get to enjoy this that's in there. The Lord, now the Lord's what? He's my what? Yeah, and, and whose shepherd is he? Mine, my personal mine. Yeah, Lord, oh yeah, Lord's your shepherd, right? Lord's your shepherd, Lord's your shepherd. He's gotta be my shepherd. You've got, it's a personal thing. You surrender your life to him. And when you surrender your life to him, who does it belong to now? Him. You're admitting, I am a sheep. What do y'all know about sheep? Help me out. Y'all know a lot of things about sheep. They're dumb. They're dumb. How many of y'all, that's the first thing that comes to mind, they're dumb? All right. How many of y'all, is that the first thing that comes to mind when you think about yourself? How many is that the first thing that comes to mind when you think about someone else? <laughs> how many of y'all can think right now? I want you to think of the dumbest person you know. Think right now. Close your eyes. The dumbest person you know. How many of y'all saw yourself? <laughs> no, we didn't. But the Lord, he's my shepherd. I'm a sheep. Can a sheep survive on its own? What? Can a sheep do anything on its own? It can follow. That's the only thing it can do. Otherwise, it gets in trouble. So again, does that not make sense that I am a sheep? That's what he says. You're a dumb sheep. And when I say dumb... It doesn't mean lo not loved. It doesn't mean you, you can't figure things out. But the one thing, the only thing you've got to figure out is that you need a shepherd. Because if Christ is not your shepherd, who's your shepherd? Say, Spencer, who's your shepherd if Christ's not your shepherd? Satan is, yeah. And that's what we're going to learn in Romans. We get in Romans 6, yeah. Because we want to say, no, that's not true. That's not we, we've come up with this casual Christianity that's comfortable, that's not biblical. You're either for God or you're not. And if you're not for God, you're with Satan. In fact, that, that's the conversation we had about when they were talking about to the Pharisees. He said, well, if, if, you, would, if you knew me or if you knew the Father, you'd know who I am, that I'm God. And since you don't know that, your father's Satan. That's what Jesus said in John to the most religious people today. And so again, you need to know that God is your shepherd. You know that he's your Lord. And again, he gives you the desire and ability. How many of you have had the desire and ability to surrender your life to him? Can I see your hand? Yeah. Okay. He gave you that desire. You did it. And he's your Lord. Positionally, nothing can change for that. When you die, that's there. But practically speaking, with each decision... We need to choose to do what the Lord wants us to do or we get in big trouble. 
What happens when a sheep strays from its shepherd? It gets in trouble. Oh my goodness. Sheep. This is the one that really always gets me. Maybe because it's starting to resemble me, but sheep, they have a real big body, right? And what are their legs like? Dude, they got little like bird legs, right? So that makes them top heavy, right? So they're all top heavy. And how many of y'all ever really like run your fingers through sheep or you've actually felt them or seen them? Dude, there can be stuff living in there. I'm just saying, which is part of it, but they're top heavy. And, and, and so what happens if all of a sudden that sheep gets wet? <laughs> yeah, if that sheep tried to walk from the parking lot into here, what would happen? Dude, it's top heavy and it's going to fall over. And when it falls over, it's laying on its back. And what's going to happen now? Yeah, can, can it turn itself over? Can it? No, it's top heavy and, and it's stuck. So something as simple as that, man, it's called being cast, a cast sheep. And, and, and that's why sheep have to be so careful of what kind of water they get by. Sheeps don't surf, Emily. I'm just saying, they, 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 would, they would have a hard time catching more than one wave. They'd be doing the cockroach riding on their back, right? So the Lord, he's my shepherd. Uh, so the Lord, he's my shepherd. That means I'm the sheep. And if you assume that role, if you understand that role, if, if, you, if you fit into that role where I am a sheep and... The success of my life is totally dependent upon who my shepherd is. Did you get that? The success of my life is going to totally, totally, without question, depend on who my shepherd is. And without question, it's the Lord. That's every decision I make. I, I want to know what the Lord wants me to do. And he's my shepherd. He says, then you can say the next part, which is I, I shall not want. But Barb, when you decide to kind of be your own shepherd, do you want? Yeah, you don't have that satisfaction, do you? When you let a boss, you let a government, you let something else be your shepherd, you, will, you can't say, I don't want. Because when you see life from God's perspective, you, you remember that he says, I'll take care of all of your needs. How many of y'all believe right now that you have everything you need? None of you? <laughs> you covetous people, you. No, I'm just like, but yeah. I, I, we have everything we need. But our flesh doesn't think we have everything we need. We do have everything we need. God determines his will for our lives by what he provides. Oh, I wish Karen was here, because Karen was telling me about how she cooks the other night at your house. One time I was like, she's like, oh, I got this recipe and I got to get this. I got to get this. I have to get crusted almonds dusted in coconut milk. And I have to get, you know, these special, you know, chips. And I have to, I said, dude, you know what I do? I go in my cloth, in my pantry and I see what I got and figure out what I can make for it. That's what I did when y'all were growing up. Now, but now I have everybody with special diets and all that. But anyways, but I go in my pantry and I just look at the ingredients and say, bam. And some of the best creations came from just taking what I had, putting it together and like, yes, this is awesome. Sometimes it wasn't, but most of the time it was. And that's how God wants us to do life. But how many times are you waiting on something like, oh, well, when this happens, then I'll do that. Oh, when this comes about, then I'll do that. What are you doing now? Use the ingredients he's got for you and cook with those. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Whatever the sheep needs, the shepherd is providing. He has provided it already. 
And, and what is it called when you don't think you have what you need, Steve? What is it? What is it called? Did, yeah, I want discontent. Do we live in a content world right now? No. In fact, isn't that the whole purpose of marketing? Boy, your deodorant doesn't work. She told me, so you need to get it there. Try this new deodorant that fits your perfect pH level and blah, 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 you know. Dude, what did people do before deodorant? They didn't think they stunk, right? I'm just saying. It's like marketing has so trained us in everything. Oh, what you have isn't good enough. You need this. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, God, make that person next to me not stink. Well, he'll clog up both nostrils if you want. But anyways, but the Lord's my shepherd. I don't want. When you know he's your Lord and he loves you and there's nobody better qualified to call the shots, you, you start, it's not about getting what you want. It's wanting what you get. How many of y'all are using everything he's hooked you up with to your fullest extent of your abilities? How many have maxed it out? And, and man, everything you have, everything that you possess, time, talent, treasure, you are using it perfectly for him. None of us are. And yet we still want more? Why? So it can distract us from doing what we're actually called to do? So the Lord's my shepherd. I don't want it. But it's got to come to that part of a relationship. Now, here's what he says. He makes me lie down, or uh, first part, uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. What does that sound like to y'all? So I'll give you a hint. Something that Keone does not want, but as you get older, you would want. Begins in, ends with AP. Nap, yes. He makes me lie down in green pastures. <laughs> to a kid, that sounds horrible. How many of y'all think it would be kind of nice to lay down in green pastures? <laughs> yeah. How many of y'all have parts of your day where like, can I please lay down in a green pasture right now? Can I take a nap? <laughs> you know, and, 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 Keone doesn't want to take one because he's not mature enough to appreciate the nap, <laughs> all right? But anyways, he makes me lie down in green pasture. So it's rest. There's rest. He, God works out rest for us where we don't, do we have to worry about our salvation? Not if we have it because he fully completed it. He took our sinful life and gave us his perfect life, his perfect righteousness. That's taken care of. That in itself causes us to want to love him and to follow him and do things his way. If we're trusting him for that, why can't do we have such a hard time trusting him here doing this right now? So again, he wants us to lay down and he wants us to rest. He doesn't want us to be stressed out. So here's what has to happen in Palestine in a dry climate. That's where sheep, sheep have to live in a dry climate, right? Tiny, why do sheep have to live in a dry climate? Because if it was wet, what would happen? Dude, they're falling over, man, and they can't get up. I've fallen over, and I can't get up. And all the sheep are saying the same thing. They, and by the way, who's the only one who helped the sheep get up? Yeah, the shepherd. They, get, they aren't even helping themselves because they've all made the same mistakes. But here's what had to happen in a dry climate. Palestine, this is where this guy was a shepherd and stuff. He said what the shepherd would do is he would look and find an area that he was going to make a green pasture. Were there any green pastures in a dry area, Rick? There's none. Can you imagine? Uh, how many of y'all have a neighbor that has an arid yard? <laughs> a yard that's brown, not anymore, but how many of y'all have a yard that just really is a mess? You know what I'm saying? But, and it's hard growing that green pasture. It's hard work. That's why you live in a condo, Rob. You let somebody else do it for you, right? So, but... So what the guy would do, it's rocky, it's dry, it's arid. The shepherd would come into the middle of where he's going to do it, and he'd grab a big rock. 
And he would take the rock and put it out on the outer boundary of where he's going to build a fence. And he would keep moving rocks and putting the rocks and making a fence. He, by the time he cleared out all of the rocks, he now had a rock fence. Well, what's he missing for a green pasture? Steve, what's he missing? The, the green pasture, dude. He just got an empty field with a rock wall. How many of y'all are like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in a rocky pasture with a rock wall. How many of y'all would rather have that? No, dude, that's uncomfortable. I want some green pasture. So, so, so now he's got to bring irrigation in, in a dry area. Back then, they would have to find a way to irrigate it. They had to grow a lawn in that area, and they didn't have all the benefits that we have. So he went through a lot of trouble to make a green pasture for his sheep. Can you imagine going through that much trouble for someone and then them not laying around in it? Them not enjoying it for what it was designed for? You've done everything possible to make it possible for them to lay down and relax. But yet they don't relax. Anybody identify with that? Christ. <laughs> If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33, you seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God, letting him be king, shepherd, what do you want me to do? And then do it, which is his righteousness. What does he say is added to you? Everything. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything is added to you. If you have everything, then can you rest? Yeah. Where we don't rest is when we don't think we have everything. When we need to manufacture something, we need to make things happen. We need this, we need that, and the other, and we don't rest. So he went through all the trouble to make a green pasture. And spiritually speaking, our green pasture is what Christ did on the cross. In our salvation, we can rest in what he did. And now we serve him out of love. Not serving him because, well, I got to like make sure that he's going to accept me in the end and all this. We serve him out of love because of what he did. And when he says rest, it's like, cool, I'll rest. So when the shepherd would make this, go through all the trouble of making this green pasture, the, there, were, there were three things predominantly that stuck out that would cause them not to be able to rest. All right? How many of y'all are familiar with no seams? No seams? Hey, if you go out in your, if you go out here early in the morning, wouldn't it be cool just to go lay out on the beach and see a sunrise on a nice calm morning? What, what, what gets in the way of that, Steve? No seams. Yeah. I'm just going to relax on the beach and, and, and I'm just going to relax and watch a sunrise. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Until you got bugs. <laughs> no seams. I can remember back in the river when we had grass back in the day, we would go down the mosquito compounds right here up at Little Mud. I had keys to the trails and we would go up in there and I had my son and we just have to, uh, within 20, 30 minutes, we could have our limit on whatever we wanted to catch. Trout, red, snook, flounder, snapper, whatever, just right up here, just north of the power plant up in there. But we had to be there at first light. So we would get there when it's dark, and we had my Zuzu Trooper, man, and I'd be running my thermocell. Anybody here know what a thermocell is? <laughs> if not, you should get a thermocell. It don't work on no seams, but it does mosquitoes. And, man, we'd come in, and we knew as soon as we opened the door when it's dark, as soon as we got out, we were going to be covered with saltwater mosquitoes. Y'all ever had that happen? Man, where you're literally breathing them in your nostrils and you're eating them in your mouth, you know? You're just like, Ugh. so we're running and, 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 and we just couldn't wait to, to get in the water. But we knew we would catch fish and stuff in there. But 
man, it's like, Chuck, you ever have nice glassy waves early, early in the morning in the summer? And then all of a, and as soon as you get out of the parking lot, you're covered with no seams. How, how well can you think when there's no seams eating you alive? Man, how well can I tie fishing knots when I've got no seams eating me alive? How well can I, something I enjoy doing, fishing. Man, tying a lure on, thinking about what lure I'm going to use to fool this fish in the morning. And, and we would start out in shallow water where the gator trout were, popping a little top water, Zara Spook, or mirror lure, boop, 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 and, and all of that. But when you got no seams eating you alive, can you even do the things you like doing? No. The bugs get in the way. And the only thing you could do for no seams is jump in the water because <laughs> they can't swim. And hopefully you're wet enough when they come out, they leave you alone for a little bit before the sun comes. But a sheep, can you imagine a sheep living outside and having mosquitoes and bugs and flies and no seams all over it? What do you do when there's no seams? If you have to be outside. If you have to be outside. Yeah, you're doing that. And you have nice hands, right? You're going, you're going, have, and you ever smack no seams, wipe them off? Hey, what do sheep's hands look like? Can you imagine trying to smack no seams with hoofs? <laughs> you ever think about that tiny? <laughs> like you got one on your nose and you miss and you get your eye. <laughs> you know. Can you imagine a sheep going through the trap? Dude, he's injuring himself trying to take care of the bugs in his life. We have remedies. We think we can go to the market and buy something somebody sells us that they say is good and until you find out it isn't, it isn't. But but if you had hoofs trying to kick knocked off no seams, can you picture that, Chuck? <laughs> to, to, even smacking a mosquito you'd have to be very pinpoint and it would probably hurt right so what did the sheep have to do to take care of the bugs they couldn't smack them themselves what do they, what do they have to do help me out yeah well they can't get wet they're going to fall over and be messed up on that they have to go to the shepherd to take care of the bugs in their life bugs are a big enemy in their life it caused them not to have peace. It caused them not to rest. It caused them not to be able to relax. And they have to go to the shepherd, and the shepherd has to come up with a remedy. And you know what the remedy might be? The remedy might be some kind of, of, of pesticide <laughs> that he has to smear all over him. How many of y'all would like to be covered in a pesticide right now? Emily, does that sound good? No. Uh, DDT. Uh, he smears a pesticide all over him. And you might not like, he might not like the remedy of it. So what's the application for us? How many of y'all have bugs in your life? How, how many of y'all, how many of y'all have things that bug you? What are things that bug you? What, what bugs you? Oh, traffic bugs you. Yes, that's a bug. That's good. What else? Nasty people. She's on a roll. None of y'all have other things, man. You're just gonna, she's bugged. <laughs> yeah, she's got it. What else? What are, what are things that, what bugs you, Erica? Okay, well, help me out, y'all. So, uh, who did I say I'd have to call? Chuck, what bugs you, man? No waves bugs you. All right, what bugs you, Pittsburgh Rob? And don't mention something she just did today, okay? <laughs> what? Uh, oh, condo association people. <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What bugs you guys? What is it that bugs you? Oh, the invasive species, yes. Now you know how us native Floridians feel when y'all... No, 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 I'm, I'm serious. You know, what I fi, you know what I figured out, though? Like, with those lizards, they're now the native species. 
So whichever species comes in and dominates becomes the new native species. So people like us, bro, we're just those little anoles hiding in the woods trying to get run over by all the new native species, right? There's no native species. But yeah, those invasive things that invade and take over, right? That bugs me too, yeah. What else? What, Rick, what bugs you, man? Traveling? Man, I, that would bug me too, man. Yeah, because I did it a couple times, and I don't know how you do it. I really need to beef up prayers for you because you got to figure out a ministry in that travel somehow. But yeah, so these bugs. So again, what does a sheep have to do when a sheep is being bugged? Go to the shepherd and say, I'm being bugged. And, and can a sheep take care of the bugs themselves? Even though they're little tiny bugs, they're just little teeny tiny bugs. Shouldn't you be able to take care of the Rick, shouldn't you be able to suck it up and get a good attitude and do it all in your own strength? Isn't that what everybody in the airport's doing? They've all found a way to survive and you can't. What are you, some wuss? No. Why? I mean, shouldn't we be able to take care of those bugs on our own? Isn't that what the world thinks? But he said we're a sheep and he's the shepherd. And the she- who takes care of the bugs for the sheep? The shepherd. What if, what if we were able to, every time we got bugged by something, we started asking the shepherd for a solution? And what if the shepherd started showing us that those bugs are actually a blessing in some way? But when we don't see it from God's perspective, those bugs are just bugs, aren't they? And we injure ourselves with our pointy hoofs, trying to, you know, is that what you did to your leg, bro? I'm just like, no, we, we, we injure ourselves like sheep trying to take care of, man, can you imagine, can you imagine having a, gym, a, a, a hoof and trying to smack noceums on your face? You're going to be messed up. But isn't that what we do? We try to take care of the bugs in our life. So every time we see ourselves getting bugged, remember, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, wait, I got all these bugs. What do you mean I don't want these bugs? Well, tell the shepherd. And either the shepherd says, hey, I got these bugs here for a reason, or, oh, let me make this a more pleasurable experience for you. Let me work this out. Let me do it. And you're like, no, no, I don't want that pesticide smeared all over me. No, I don't want. Yeah. You want, he want, you got to accept his solution in it. But understand that as a sheep, and the Lord's our shepherd, if we, come to the point where I got to say I don't want it's because I've accepted his lordship I've accepted whatever he's going to do to take care of the bugs in life Skylar you ever got things bug you on a job other than your dad I'm just saying no but things that bug you on a job yeah so often we just try to take care of it ourselves instead of God this is bugging me how many of y'all go to God when you got stuff bugging you or how many of y'all try to take care of it yourself? I find myself trying to take care of little things. How many of y'all ever had the mentality, I don't want to bug God? <laughs> but you know what? Do you got to wait for God to put beasts in your life before you go to him? Maybe God started with little bugs because he hadn't heard from you in a while. Maybe he missed you. When, when Barb, when you go to God, in the, when you go to God and say, oh God, you know, I need, is God like, oh my goodness, it's Barb again. Is that what he says? You ever feel that way? You shouldn't, you know, it's, if your grandson, I mean, you know, it's Barb again. No, it's Barb again. And, and hey, wait, Barb hasn't been like paying much attention to me. Maybe I'll send some bugs down there. And then Barb's like, oh, God, oh, it's Barb again. 
don't make me send the bugs. That's what, literally, how much time does God want to spend with you? With you personally, Barb, how much time does God want to spend with you? Yeah, is there any part of a day that God's like, yeah, okay, give me a break. I'm taking a nap. No. He wants to spend his entire day with you, you know? So again, sometimes maybe that's why the bugs are there. Maybe it's there to get our attention, to get us. But the bottom line is the bugs are there so we can find out that he is everything we need. He takes care of the bugs. Don't ever think you've got to take care of those little things. You'll take care of them wrong and, and, and you'll mess things up. So the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So there's bugs. He's got the bugs that take care of us. All right. So how many of y'all got some things a little bit bigger than bugs? Yeah. Budding order. By the way, do you find a place to say yet? Good. I've been praying for you, and I know a lot of other people have been praying also. But that's a that's not a bug, right? If you don't have a place to live, that's that's now a beast. How many of y'all got some beasts in your life? You have grandkids living there, right? You got some beasts in your no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah. How many got beasts? Big things. That's what you that's what you and your husband were talking about. The beast. You had some big beasts, that tax bill, different things going on there. Like, God, this is too big. We think we can handle the bugs, but we can't. We've got to go to them for that. But the beast, we have beasts in our life, things that we know there's absolutely nothing we can do about. Who allowed the, Stephen, who allowed in his sovereignty, here, I'll give you a hint, who allowed in his sovereignty, by the way, here, whenever I ask questions, hey, tell him on the count of three what the answer always is. One, two, three. There you go. Oh, so, who in his sovereignty allowed that situation so big that you can't do anything about it? Who chose that that was the very best thing that could be in your life at this point in time? Yes, it's God. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's God. He allows the bugs in your life. And why does he allow the bugs? What's the purpose? So, so you can go to him. Why does he allow the, the beasts in your life? So you can go to him and you can find out through the beast and through the bugs that he is all sufficient. Like the woman at the well, man, what did he tell her? You drink from this eternal well I'm fixing to give you. You drink from my water. You will never be thirsty again. I am your total sufficiency. I want you to quit being self-dependent. I want you to quit counting on yourselves. I want you to count on me for everything. Do they teach you that in college, y'all? Do they teach you that in our culture? No. No. It's a self-dependency, but God wants us to be totally dependent on him. And when we are totally dependent on him, that doesn't mean we sit and twiddle our thumbs. It doesn't mean we sit and do nothing. It means we do what he says to do, which may be something that is another thing that's going to require your faith. But the fact is the beast and the bugs come into our life. By his design. How many of y'all got some bugs and beasts in your life right now? Anybody? Yeah. How many of y'all are like, yes, another beast in my life. Woohoo! Woo, a bunch of bugs. Here it is. I'm just going into a swarm of these bad boys right here. <gasps> Breathing them in. <laughs> because God, you're going to take care of this. I can't wait to see what you're going to do, God. Wouldn't that be what pleases him? Didn't David say, man, it was good for me to be afflicted? He said that a few times because now I know who you are. Now I've seen your strength. Now you've made me more like you and you get the glory because I'm more like you. Amen. 
So when we get the beasts and we get the bugs, dude, it's not to ruin our day. He wants us to lay down in green pastures. And when the bugs come in your life and you let him rub on the pesticide, Michelle, guess what you get to do in the green pasture? Lie down. Is that not cool? Yeah, but if you try to take care of it, you are not going to lie down. You're going to be doing the no see them dance, right? <laughs> Running, you know, trying to outscape them. Yeah. If the beasts come in your life, the lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, rah, they come in. And you're like, and you're cowering, you're running to the other side of the fence, the other side, and you're trying to take care of this on your own. What are you not doing in the green pasture? Laying down. But if you're like, hey, Jesus, there's another one of them lions right there. Hey, by the way, what can a sheep do up next to a lion? You're a lion. And I'm a little sheep. Yeah, you know, do they know kung fu? Do they know like martial arts? Uh, dude, if they did, man, with those little hoofs, they could do a, some damage. But somehow I don't think they're agile enough. And that's not how God made them. He didn't make them to defend themselves. He made them to have to go to who? The shepherd to be defended. And that's what he says we're supposed to do. We go to him. Can they break out an AR or AK? No. No, because again, how are they going to pull a trigger with a hoof? No, I'm just saying, for starters. No, they have to depend on who? The shepherd. And so when the shepherd brings those things, man, the sheep ought to rejoice because, ha, huh, I get to watch my shepherd kick another lion's butt. <laughs> Is that not true? I get to watch my shepherd solve another crisis in my life. I get to watch my shepherd, man, defeat another enemy that I would have no way of ever defeating. Is that the way we look at our problems? No wonder we're not lying down and resting in the grain pasture that he's made for us. Did anybody work harder than Christ on the cross to make a green pasture for us to lay down in? No. Think about noon to three o'clock when somehow all the sins of the world were slammed on him. He not only was separated from God, he not only paid the price, but he took the penalty of every one of your sins, the consequences and the penalty. Has anybody worked harder for us to lay down the green pastures than him? No. So let's say God takes care of the beasts and he takes care of the bugs, right? Jim, you've been here a couple weeks now. Can you help me out, bro? Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, come on, right here, right here, right here. I want you to stand right here, man. All right. Uh, Pittsburgh, right, no, right over there, real quick, right over here. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Rob, come on, man. You sat in the back. I, I, what do you expect? You think I'm going to let you just slide today, bro? When you sit in the back, that, I know, when you, no, when you sit in the back, when you sit in the back, that's your way of saying, oh, please pick me, please pick me. Right. Oh, no, I want you to come over here. All right. No, no, I don't want you to sit, dude. I want you to stand by these doors, and, and you get these doors. So when the sheep, listen to this, the shepherds made a green pasture. He's taking care of all the little bugs in their life. Any of y'all had him take care of your bugs? And then he took care of all the beasts. So they have nothing to worry about now, right? No beasts, no bugs, no problems. So what do you think sheep are going to do? There's something called a budding order. If they're not worried about bugs and they're not worried about beasts, now they're worried about who's the biggest, baddest sheep in the sheepfold. So as a demonstration, here's what we're going to do. All right. I picked guys. 
Here's what we're going to do. These are the two prize rams in the sheepfold. So to prove that they are the biggest, baddest sheep in the sheepfold, they are going to run at each other with their hands behind their back, and they're going to crack heads, all right? Oh, come on. Is there any better way to prove that you're the biggest, baddest sheep in the sheepfold? He's already cowering, dude. You're winning already, man. He's going back. What are you, old now, bro? You would have taken this off. Tell me you would not have done this in your younger years. You would have not butted heads with somebody. Yeah, I'm picked you purpose because this is to remind you that, man, when God takes care of our bugs and he takes care of our beasts, don't make any more problems in thinking you're the biggest, baddest sheep in the sheepfold. So here we go. Ready? On the count of three, I want y'all to run at each other and butt heads. One. Come on, help me out, guys. One, two, three. <laughs> All right, sit down, man. Y'all are no fun. Oh, my goodness. You know how many people would remember this for the rest of their lives? If You, you know what I was going to do next? Whoever won? Okay, so whoever won is the biggest, baddest sheep in the sheepfold, right? Isn't that what's important in this world? I'm the biggest. I'm the baddest. I'm the most important. I'm the toughest. I'm the coolest. I'm the... And guess what? Whoever's still standing... How many of y'all think Rob would have been standing after this? <laughs> how many of y'all think, think uh, Jim would have been standing after this? Jim, right? Jim, Jim, Jim. Yes, I got it. Uh, after this. Give me your votes, man. Who do you think would have won on there? Rob or Jim? Yeah, Jim, he's younger, right? And and you saw Rob cowering on this, right? So so at the end, Rob would have been laying on the ground, crawling back to Robin right there, and Jim would have been like, yeah, with blood dripping down his face, yeah. And so guess what's going to happen? Is it over? He is now king sheep in the sheepfold? Is that where it is? Nope, somebody like Spencer <laughs> is going to get up and say, huh, he's a little injured. I think I can take him now. And, and so the next one, boom, boom, boom. And so you got the fresh sheep going, bam, and knocks Jim out. So Spencer's like this. He's always like that. But he's a, that's why he's got a cool hair, man. He's got cool hair from banging his head against other sheep. But right then now Spencer's the top dog. And Marley's like, huh, he's an old dude. I can take him out. And guess what happens, man? The budding order just goes on and on and on. And what are they not doing in the green pasture God's made for them? Yes, they're not resting. Any of y'all ever create a budding order? <laughs> Everything's cool, so you think you got to cause some trouble somewhere? All right, I have no beasts. I have no bugs. Hmm, what trouble can I cause out? Well, I don't think this is fair. Here's my new topic. Instead, what should you do if there's no bugs and beasts in your life? Abby, what should you do if there's no bugs? Now, I know you got Marley and Maverick and Chuck, right? But I'm just saying, if there ever is no beasts in your life or bugs in your life, what should you do? Rest. And while you're resting, meditate on the Lord. And say, God, what do you want me to do during this time of rest? Because he knows when to rest you and he knows when to test you. He knows. And you rest. That's called peace, Chuck. You dig the peace during this time of life. And you're just like, all right, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want to charge your batteries for the next season. All right. And you charge your batteries until it's time now to go out and battle for him against whatever he wants you to do. But even in that, you're not button heads, dude. You're on his back. He's the one battling. You're piggybacking. And, and he's doing all the battling. But he's bringing you into it. 
So in this man, listen, the Lord, this is where it all starts. If the Lord is not your shepherd, if he's your part-time Lord, he's only Lord when, when you know, he is Lord. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord. Somebody, everybody's going to do it. Praise God, most of us here, I don't know if any of y'all are lost. I don't know what y'all say, but I'm just saying, man, if you're saved, he, he, he's your Lord and he's your Savior. To everybody else, he's just going to be Lord. And they're going to suffer the consequences, but everyone's going to say, yeah, he is Lord. But right now, he's given us the ability to believe he is Lord. Let's, let's, let's treat him like Lord. Let's surrender our decisions to him as Lord. I got these things bugging me. I, God, I don't really want to bother you. Is God bothered when you go to him? No. Remember, the bugs may be there because God sent them. Because it's a nice, gentle way of him saying, hey, man, I want to hang out with you. I want to spend some more time with you. Or I want to show you how I can take care of bugs. By the way, Chuck, you remember with the uh, plagues in Egypt? What happened with the flies? You ever try to get one fly out of your house? It's impossible, right? But what did God do with the flies? He, yeah, and, and, and he separated them. There were none in Goshen with the Egyptians or with the Israelites, and they were there. How many of y'all could herd flies? Any of y'all good fly? Could you herd flies? God can herd flies, dude. If God can herd flies, can he not take care of the bugs in your life? You can't even get one fly out of your screen door, man. And, and he can herd a whole nation of flies and make them separate. Who's a better fly herder, you or him? Let him take care of your bugs, man. That's what it, that they're there for. So you can love him and say, wow, thank you, God, for no noceums. Thank you, God, for taking care of those bugs in my life. So when the bugs come, you go to him and you rest. Even if they're still biting, even if they're still, knowing that they're only going to be there as long as he wants them there. And don't miss what he's trying to teach you through those bugs. And same thing with the beasts. Oh, my goodness. Man, God wants to do something so supernatural in your life that only he can get blamed. And if you could take care of it, who could get the credit? You. But if you can't take care of it, it's totally out of your hands. Who gets the glory? Him. Abraham and Sarah. Been looking at that. We talked about it last week. Abraham and Sarah. Dude, I think Abraham was probably 90, maybe 95 when he sired a, a child with Ishmael, the, the Egyptian handmaid, right? So he was still virile enough with a young lady to be able to have a baby. And, and that's the whole Arab nation we talked about. But God said, no, no, that's not the heir. And you know what? You're not ready to have the one that's going to bring the Messiah in. You're not ready to have the child of promise yet because you still have something to do with it. Abraham's 99. What? When, God? God, tell me. When's this going to happen? And, and a matter of words, God said, when you and Sarah are just about dead <laughs> and there is absolutely no chance in the world you guys could have a baby together. That's when I'm waiting. How many of y'all would like that answer from God? <laughs> God, when is this going to happen? When you can absolutely do nothing to make it happen. Isn't that what you really want to hear from God in your prayers? No, God. Exactly. But look at what God's doing in y'all's life, man. That's what happens when you're crazy enough to just do what he wants you to do. This is what, he, and when this season's over, your faith, you're going to be able to encourage other people. Yeah, dude, we were dead. There was nothing we could do. And this is what God did. So you become more like him. And who gets the glory? 
He does. And that's the purpose of everything. Instead of trying to work it out on your own. So that's what God's doing in all this. But if you've got a time where there's no bugs and there's no beasts, please don't act like these foolish men, right? No, I'm just saying. Don't act like these guys. And don't create your own problem with Buddy Warner. Find out what he wants. Jesus is what? Lord. He's Lord. Act like it in your life. And if he's not the Lord of your life, man, let him know that you would like him to be in charge. Because he's way better at being in charge than you. Y'all agree with that? Let's pray. Father, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. And the only reason I can come in that name is because June 27th, 1988, you gave me the desire and ability to believe that you were all I needed. I was so tired of running my life at that time and making a mess of everything you blessed me with. Uh, I realized that I had no option. I needed to surrender to you, and you gave me faith to believe that you would do a better job of running my life. And you had plans for me, and you had an eternal home for me. You let me be able to believe that you are the master of the universe, the king of kings and lord of lords, and that if I would just sell my life out to you, because you've already paid for it more than anyone could ever pay for anything, and you're just waiting for me to jump in that chopping bag. Father, I, I, I'm just so grateful that on that day, you gave me the desire and ability to surrender everything I knew about myself to everything I knew about you at that point in time. And that's the day I got saved. On a hassock in my dad's house that I'd done every sinful thing on that you could imagine and got to kneel down and just really say thank you for giving me faith to just believe. Father, you didn't call us to behave. You called us to believe. And if we believe, we'll behave. And so on that day, Father, you saved me. And I'm grateful for that. I pray today that if there's somebody here that does not know that when they die, they're going to heaven. If they don't know where they're going, if they don't, if they even know inside that Jesus is not really Lord. Father, but they have a desire for that to be. Father, help them realize that desire comes from you. And like you told Nicodemus, it's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. Help them not take for granted and think it's going to be there later, but it's there right now. And help them just to totally surrender themselves to you because that's what you're giving them the desire to do. And it might only be for this moment. So, Father, I pray for all of us that we could say, the Lord, he's my shepherd. Anything I do outside of what my shepherd wants me to do um, is pretty foolish, and it's going to be painful, and it's not going to be successful. Maybe successful by the world's eyes, but not in yours, God. Father, we want to do things because we love you. We want to do it for your glory. And so, Father, I'm grateful that I can pray and come to you in the name of Jesus, knowing that when you look down, whether it's my best day or my worst day, what you see is the blood of life, Christ covering my life. I pray that for everyone here. And I pray, Father, that we would act like it. Because we have that positional righteousness and salvation, I pray, Father, it would translate into a practical righteousness where with every decision, it's not what we want to do, not what somebody else wants us to do, but it's what you want us to do. And we watch it work out time and time again where we become more like you and you get the glory. 
Father, help us really, truly come to the point where we can say you're a shepherd and we really don't want. We're digging what we got, not waiting for you to provide something else. And then we can start relaxing and laying down in green pastures. Realizing why the bugs come in life. Realizing why the beasts are there. And certainly not creating any budding order. What a sad thing it must be for you to watch your prized sheep butting heads with each other. Knowing it's not good for any of them. But Father, you've made it possible for us to rest through what Christ did. I pray we would do that. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Woo! All right.